0: Welcome to the Little Man Big Mouth Podcast with me, Jonah. I'm a kid who loves sports. I can talk about sports every day, all day. Think you can handle that? Then stick around for today's show. My guest today is Ken Kavanaugh, Athletic Director for FGCU. But first, let's jump into News You Can Use. These are interesting news facts and questions, which are great for conversations about sports. College football is back! The Georgia Bulldogs have won two straight national championships. Will their new QB and Carson Beck lead them to a three-peat, or will a team like Texas or Ohio State take the trophy? Will Caleb Williams get another Heisman Trophy? Caleb Williams, a quarterback at USC, won the Heisman last year as a junior. Now he's competing to win back-to-back in his senior year. Deion Sanders, primetime, is the new coach for Colorado. Will he have a big impact on the team, or will he be a bust and fade away? The Pac-12 has split up. Next year, in 2024, the Pac-12 will only have two members remaining, which will be Oregon State and Washington State. Which conference will pick these two teams up? And will it only be a Power Four conference? Or will be, will a conference like the Mountain West step up? Another big event in sports, the U.S. Open. Coco Golf won her second major in New York. Coming back from a sit down to win, Golf showed Hart and Moxie. Now we all want to know: Will golf be the next American tennis player we've been waiting for? On the men's side, Djokovic came through again and won his record-setting 24th major championship. Looks like the old timers are still in control of the courts. And let's not forget the NFL is here. Football is back, and there are lots of stories to talk about around the water cooler. The Jets both won and lost, beating the rival Buffalo Bills on the opening weekend, but losing star quarterback Aaron Rodgers to, for the season. The Chiefs started off with a surprising loss, and so did the Bengals, while the Giants looked lost. Daniel Jones had two interceptions before he passed for a single offensive yard. Want to pick winners for Week 2? Check out Thick fire picks later in the show strange news alert we have not one but two odd stories this week coming from across the globe in India officials are planning for the upcoming word summit known as G20 taking place in New Delhi city officials were worried an increase in attacks by monkeys because the monkeys cannot be removed by the law So they even hired more than 30 people to go around making noises to scare away the unwanted pests. Sounds to me like there's a lot of monkey business going around over there. Now it is time for Fan Rant. Each episode, we bring on a fan who rants or talks about their favorite team. No breaks, no stops, no questions asked. This week, we have a big Atlanta Braves fan in Chandler Weissman. Are you ready to go? Oh, I am. All right. Are you ready? Get set.
1: Go. So the Braves, they've been doing pretty good this year. Obviously, one of the best in the league. They've got a star, star-studded talent all throughout the lineup, you know, starting with Acuna, number one, all the way to Matt Olsen at four, all the way to even Eddie, Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Ozuna, who've started emerging really hot lately. Ozuna's just been on a tear. Homer after Homer, leading them to wins, especially against the Mets, who are not good. They're a New York team along with the Yankees. They both they're both not good. But the Braves, you you know, Acuna and Olson are going to be good at the top of the lineup, along with Albies, who's been hurt for a bit, and so Michael Harris has been up there. But you know they're going to be good up there, and and Austin Riley all with like 30 homers or they're all going to have 30 homers, which is probably a record of some point. It's first inning. You have to deal with Acuna. He gets on and steals bases. Then you have to deal with Riley. Then you have to deal with Olsen. Then you maybe get like one or two hitters. Then you have to deal with Rosario and Ozuna. Not even that. They've just been hitting Homer after Homer. I haven't seen a team this special in my whole life. Like they're, they're going to go to the world series if they can keep this up. Like, like, I, I heard the other day, hitting with hitting with runners in scoring position, they've just been elite. Like, that's what you need in the playoffs, and they're just going to make a run. And they will have the Dodgers, tough tests, but they'll make it past them. Then they're pitching. Max Freed, after coming off the IL, has been pretty good. Elder's been good. Morton's been, Morton, pretty good. Pitching, it's a bit of a weak spot, but Kyle Wright's coming back soon, and he's good. But still, there's not many weaknesses of this team. Their bullpen is lights out. Rice Iglesias in the closer position has been lights out recently. Their pitching is good enough to get them to at least the point where they score more than they allow. And, yeah, it's just, they're a special team. And they've locked these players up for until, like, 2030 for most of them. They're going to have this team for a while. It's going to be fun to watch. Jump on the Braves bandwagon while you can.
0: Well, thank you, Chana, for your take on your favorite team. No problem. Next up is Stick by Your Picks. For those new to the show, Gabriel and I dissect the NFL schedule one week at a time. These are ironclad picks. We will not change our mind All picks no matter what happens between now and the game. Our lawyers have asked us to let you know you should not bet your house in our picks. This is for entertainment purposes only. This week, Gabriel and I are making Week 2 predictions. Let's get started.
2: The first game is... The Eagles are 7-point favorites at home as they host the Minnesota Vikings. The
3: Eagles will come into Week 2 and crush the Vikings. With no questions, the Vikings have no defense and lost one of the best running backs in the league and replaced them with a mediocre one. While the Eagles did downgrade on running back, Jalen Hurts makes up for the rest of the run game. And even though the Eagles did lose multiple pieces on their defense, they still will be a top 10 because they replaced it with the UGA defense from their back-to-back national championship teams.
0: I agree with you. The Eagles will go 2-0 to start the season. Justin Jefferson will stand no chance against this Eagles defense. The next game is...
2: The Ravens go on the road as three-and-a-half-point dogs visiting the Cincinnati Bengals.
0: Lamar Jackson and the Ravens will dominate this Bengals defense. Going up 1-0 in the series. This Bengals defense has no shot against Lamar Jackson's legs.
3: I gotta disagree with you on this one. The Ravens defense last year ranked 26th in passing. And that will not fly against the Bengals. Who had the best quarterback wide receiver duo in Joe Burr and Jamal Chase. Who will blow the Ravens secondary out of the water.
2: The next game is... The Dolphins travel up to Foxborough to face the New England Patriots as two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road.
0: The Patriots will feed Zeke and will pound the Dolphins' defense with the run game. This Dolphins' defense, not having Jalen Ramsey as a cornerback, will suffer definitely as Mac Jones has shown that he has gotten better in the offseason. He will be throwing dimes. Two, Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker. The New England Patriots will show no mercy.
3: I agree with you. The Patriots upgraded their offense, and their Super Bowl caliber defense will upset the Dolphins, who have way too much hype, and Tua will show that he's just a facilitator, not a
2: playmaker. The next game is... The Broncos are three-and-a-half-point favorites over the Commanders at Mile High Stadium.
3: The Broncos' defense, led by Randy Gregory and Patrick Sertan, will eat the new starter Sam Howell alive, who will not be able to throw against Sertan or Justin Simmons, who will be the new no-fly zone, and with a new Russell Wilson, the Broncos will cruise by.
0: I disagree with you on this one. The Commanders will win this one, as Sam Howell will show off he he's named the starter. And I don't think Patrick Sertan can cover the one and only Terry McLaurin. You're crazy to think that Patrick Sertan can't
3: cover Terry McLaurin, McLaurin as he is the best cornerback in the league, ac- according to all the league coaches, executive,
0: and scouts. Well... You're wrong on that one, because CBS Sports has Sauce Gardner ranked number one on top cornerbacks, so we can debate this all day. Yeah, we can, deba- we can debate this, and
3: that, but that doesn't really matter for this matchup, as Patrick Sertan will lock down Terry McLaurin as the Broncos will win this one.
0: Again, that is false. Terry McLaurin will smoke Patrick Sertan and expect the Commandos to win big on this one. And the next game
2: is... The Carolina Panthers are three-point underdogs at home as they host division rival, the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers
3: upgraded their team that almost made the playoffs last year when they drafted Bryce Young and also got great running back Miles Sanders, who can both hurt defenses in the run game and the pass game. And with the addition of veteran wide receiver Adam Thielen, they will cruise by the New Orleans Saints, who, in my opinion, picked the wrong quarterback when getting Derek Carr, who I believe has been overhyped his whole career as he has only made one playoff game. And without Alvin Kamara, the Panthers will win this game.
0: I disagree with you because... Of the Saints defense. See, Bryce Young is still trying to find his place in the NFL. And this Saints defense will eat him alive. Cameron Jordan will not let Bryce Young have an easy pocket. He will pressure him every play. This will be a nightmare for Bryce Young. And he will see ghosts. Just like Sam Donald. And the last game is...
2: Mike Tomlin and the Steelers look to make a splash as two-point underdogs at home to the Cleveland Browns.
0: Kenny Pickett and George Pickens will lead their team to victory against the Cleveland Browns. See, Kenny Pickett is underrated. People aren't looking at the Steelers as a playoff team. Well, you've got to be thinking wrong because... Kenny Pickett and George Pickens are going to lead their team to the playoffs. I disagree with you that the Steelers are playoff teams, but
3: I agree with you that they will beat the Browns today. Deshaun Watson is going to fall on his face again to the former Defensive Player of the Year, T.J. Watt, who will swallow him alive. And with Kenny Pickett coming into himself this year and with George Pickens poised for a breakout season, They will blow by the Browns defense, who only has Miles Garrett and Danzel Ward.
0: Well, that does it, folks, for Stick by Your Picks. My guest today is Ken Kavanaugh, Athletic Director for FGCU. Hey, Ken, I'm glad you're back on the show.
4: Always glad to talk.
0: All right, well, let's jump into it. Everyone is talking about conference realignment. We are seeing schools change conferences left and right. USC and UCLA in the big 10, the Pac-12 won't exist. And now Stanford and Cal are going to the ACC. What's going on, Ken? What is the reason for all these moves?
4: Well, I think it's simply all about uh, revenue and what they're worried about in terms of uh, trying to find a way in the marketplace uh, to stay competitive. And, uh, and in, in some cases, uh, I think it's concerned that they're going to be left behind. And uh, so, you know, you've got a situation where, um, you know, being for those schools at the power five level, uh, there's substantial revenue involved with these television contracts. And there's also substantial risk if you're left behind, like it looks like uh, the last two teams are going to be in the the old Pac-12. And uh, that. Puts teams at peril relative to competitiveness, and as well as um, the opportunity for finances that they need for other successes. So, it's it's certainly disturbing for the average person to you know handle the thought process of non-revenue sports who are going to have to figure out getting themselves across the country on a regular basis. And it's not an issue really for football. Football, almost most of those football schools already travel by charter, and they probably miss the least amount of classes of anybody, uh, unless you're in the Mid-American Conference playing, you know, later in the season on a regular basis for television midweek. Uh, the majority of these schools we're referring to play almost all of their games uh, on the weekend, and they don't miss very many classes. So the, the teams that will would possibly be playing, uh, you know, across the country and uh, non-revenue sports, it's a lot different.
0: Earlier, you talked about how, you know, this is somewhat TV money. How much do they spend on sports and how much does the TV money give them?
4: Well, I don't have specific numbers, you know, for those schools. I don't deal with them on a daily basis. I have some friends that work at those schools. I have a son that works at Ole Miss in athletics and um, their numbers dwarf what we do, for especially for those of us that don't have football and, and extra sports to offset it for gender equity. But, um, you know, I think. The element of discussion that, uh, ironically, just before I came on to talk with you, that I was on the phone with a, a former conference commissioner of a, a, a conference that didn't have football in Division I, and he, amongst other people working with some folks uh, that have football, uh, probably about eight to ten years ago, there was a lot of dialogue about should we change the model and not have everything be like football and basketball, where you could play regionally um, and still make the NCAA tournament. Uh, right now, un- unless you're in a, a sports like hockey and uh, maybe field hockey and, and a few others, where you can group together regionally like the, they do for hockey east in the CCHA and some others for for hockey, uh, where they can get an automatic bid. They expect you to be in a league um, for all your sports to get baseball or soccer or volleyball in many instances. So, you know, there's dialogue that occurred eight to 10 years ago. And some of us are in that discussion now to say, is this maybe finally the time to bring some sanity to uh, travels. You know, we have in our own conference with the ASUN conference, we stretch from us down here in Southwest Florida all the way up to Conway, Arkansas, where we have the University of Central Arkansas. And no disrespect to our brethren there, uh, if we were playing non-revenue sports with the likes of teams within a bus drive of us, um, it would be a lot easier on our budgets. It would certainly be easier on our student athletes from wear and tear for travel and miss classes. And uh, you know, if you could say a lot of the schools: FIU, FAU, FGCU, UCF. Uh, USF, you know, maybe UCF wouldn't do it because they're in the power five, but give the flexibility for teams that want to do it. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, you may still have that where, say, Oregon and Washington in football and men's and women's basketball would compete in the Big Ten, but then they could possibly free them up to play in in a conference for soccer or softball or volleyball um, in a grouping of schools in the Pacific Northwest uh, that would be great. Now, some of those conferences may not allow it because they have so much inventory they need to put out there for their uh, their television networks. Uh, but others of us that that's not a, an issue. So, you know, I know FIU and, and in our own state, who is only an hour and a half to two hours from us, is now in a conference USA that stretches all the way to play New Mexico State and UTEP, and uh, that that's a lot of travel. I think they're closest. Team next year in their conference, or maybe it's this year, is Middle Tennessee State, and uh, you know, in the middle of a, a far drive from where they are in, in Miami, and uh, they'll have Kennesaw State leaving our league, joining them next year. But um, you know that that's something I know FIU IU would certainly value. We play each other non-conference, but you usually play schools only once in the non-conference. But if we could create uh, opportunities for that, I think that would be a step in the right direction, and maybe with all this insanity of of new changes uh, that may come out and uh, be the best piece that we'll see out of all
0: this. You know, all the talk is about power five conference and big money. How does all of this impact a school like FGCU? Well,
4: it, it depends. I mean, in some instances we've seen in recent years, these bigger conferences have decided to play more conference games and less non-conference. And those uh, fewer opportunities, sometimes it's financial, you lose out um, you know, to play teams and sports where they, they could pay you a guarantee. But for the most part, what that does, it, it deteriorates the number of opportunities to play power five type schools and get upsets during the course of uh, the regular season that you could pad on your resume to create opportunities for either one, an at-large bid or two, um, a chance for a better seed uh, in the NCAA tournament. So you know, if you don't play people, then they don't have the risk uh, of saying that they lost to us, and uh, and that that's been disappointing, as, uh, substantially as that occurred over the last recent years. So uh, that that does affect us probably the most.
0: How does this impact the players and coaches? Do these changes hurt the players' experience?
4: Well, I, again, we haven't gone through it fully. Um, you know, there's some things that may be uh, helpful for them. Maybe they'll play different places that they've not traveled before, or, you know, another opportunity for a strong opponent. But most of those good schools already have those opportunities to begin with. Uh, Just going back to just the reality of it, um, there is going to be Uh, in most instances, substantial additional travel uh, for some of the teams. Now, you may only go to to the West Coast once every two years if you're at Rutgers or or Maryland, and you could say, well, you know, we we could have done that anyway with our non-conference. So now instead of going out to play Stanford or Cal in a non-conference weekend, we'll play them in conference and we'll stay more close to our um, area for additional games in the non-conference. But, you know, if you're playing the majority of your games, Um, And you're the four schools that are now in the Big Ten. They can only play so many against each other, you know, out on the West Coast. And they they're the ones who are going to absorb a lot more travel to play a full schedule uh, to get, you know, at at this point, the closest trip for those four schools, USC, UCLA, Oregon and Washington is going to be to Lincoln, Nebraska. And, Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, two time zones away, and and it's not an easy trip. So, again, they're going to have to work through it, and maybe, again, the opportunity to uh, regionalize some uh, non-revenue sports will create some uh, opportunities that we currently don't see.
0: Well, of course, everything is mainly based on football. Leaving a school like Stanford, which is an Olympic-level athlete in other sports, almost out of a major conference, is football good for college athletes in the future of student athletes?
4: Well, I mean, football certainly has brought a lot of benefits to a lot of individuals that play the sport and certainly is generated at certain schools, not a lot of schools, but certain schools, uh, plenty of extra revenue that has paid the bills for uh, opportunities for student athletes and many other sports. So, um, you know, I think what it comes down to is, you know, many people are more and more, I think, having a perspective that, Football should just be in their own grouping. You know, mm-hmm. that the NCA, uh, right now, the NCA doesn't get any revenue from the college football playoff yet. They have overhead expenses and responsibilities that are involved with the sport of football Um, that doesn't seem to make sense to a number of folks that why should the risk of being sued or other pieces be a part of a situation where the revenue is not there to uh, take care of those overheads so i think uh, myself included there's a number of us that would uh, have no problem with those schools that want to play football just go and do their own thing with that one sport and then hopefully leave the rest of it to uh, um, you know create a situation that doesn't get pulled too far all the time from uh, one particular sport.
0: If that would happen, like if football became its own thing, is there a possibility of FGCU getting a football program? Uh,
4: I can't speak for the the long term, but I know in the short term there's no interest in FGCU having football. Um, you know the cost that it would take not just to add football and and the infrastructure and facilities that we don't have, which we did a study uh, you know 11 12 13 years ago and it was going to be 100 million dollars to build a, a complex to be able to handle that but also we'd have to add three more women's sports to maintain our proportionality for gender equity in title nine so you know it's the university's got a lot going there's a lot of great things that we've been doing and uh, to take on what basically would just be a ton of debt um, just to say that we had football doesn't seem to be very reasonable in the near future and I I would hope that uh, you know it could be the same. And we continue to be in a group of schools that Gonzaga and a lot of schools in the big east and and uh, other peers of ours here in the southeast that you know not having football has um, not been a situation that's taken away from a lot of other successes in other sports.
0: Well, FGCU is known as Dunk City for its men's and women's basketball programs. How will these changes impact the NCAA tournament? And do you think there will be more changes in the near future?
4: Well, I mean, again, there's always spinoff from these larger decisions and where that affects, you know, hopefully we'll still stay as a larger group, um, which has been helpful, both in terms of creating that March Madness experience that we certainly enjoyed uh, 10 or 11 years ago. And our women's basketball team has very much enjoyed it. Just to correct you there, the women's basketball, there are reigning threes. We use the reigning threes nickname for our women's team because of our continued success. We, The last four years and five of the last six years, we've led the country and made three pointers and uh, actually hold the record for the most in any one season. But wow. our women's team is the only team in the country uh, that's uh, three times as a number 12 seed has beat a five seed in the first round, including the last two years when we beat Washington State last year, who won the Pac-12 um, the conference tournament. And the year before, we beat uh, Virginia Tech, who had the ACC player of the year, and then last year made it to the Final Four. So within that grouping, it, it's been exciting to have those uh, scenarios. We wish that our seeds were better at times, but, um, you know, Coach smesco uh, in our program, since it started uh, roughly now 20 years ago, we're the winningest program in, uh, in terms of winning percentage in Division One history. It's us then it's uh Tennessee, then Yukon, then Stanford. So those opportunities are certainly what we value. It's why FGCU went from Division two after a very short period to Division one um, and why other schools have followed that same path. Um, and it mainly our responsibilities on a daily basis are to generate positive publicity and that platform of Division one athletics and, and chances to play against programs that are on a national uh, uh, stage has been very enjoyable, very successful and, and it's helped us grow our brand and, and create opportunities for people to want to come to FTC as general students.
0: Wow. Well, congrats on the win. Congrats on the three-pointers. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you so much for coming back to the show. We have our rapid-fire quiz. So this is a this or that quiz. Just a couple of questions. Are you ready?
4: I'm ready, Jonah.
0: Okay, here we go. Coke or Pepsi? Wow.
4: Uh, I don't drink soda anymore, but if I had to choose, I probably would say Pepsi.
0: Mac or PC?
4: uh probably uh pc chinese food or sushi oh neither i i don't eat either of those i i'm a an irishman who doesn't even drink beer or, or like corned beef and cabbage i i love italian food
0: scuba or snorkel snorkel is a baked potato a side dish or a meal
4: wow Uh, being an irish i would say it's a meal
0: And finally, if you're on a desert island, what is one thing you would want to have with you?
4: One thing I'd want to have with me, my wife.
0: Thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy day and meeting with me.
4: Uh, Hey, always a pleasure and congratulations on your continued endeavors. Thank you so much. All right, wings up. God bless. Go Eagles.
0: Thank you, Ken Kavanaugh, for that amazing interview. Well... What would Sports Talk be without lists? Bupkus, so he was my list of the day. Top five NFL commentators. Always on the outside, because I will never let him in. Tony Romo. Number five, Joe Buck. He's iconic. Number four, Jim Nance. Hello friends! Number 3, Kevin Harlan. (coughs) He once made a cat on the field sound exciting. Google it. Number 2, Al Michaels. (coughs) The man believes in miracles. And Number 1, the best NFL commentator is... John Madden the goat no conversation just the goat well that does it folks the little man big mouth podcast check out next episode when it drops until then see ya
2: follow the show on insta at little man big mouth show keep up with the latest episodes by subscribing on your favorite podcast provider. The little man, big mouth podcast is an exclusive creation of Hefeweizen podcast productions.